You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Uh, We're going to start in Mark 1, verse 21. And they are all in Mark, so we'll just flip a few pages as we go along. All right, verse 21. Then they went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because, unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue. He cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus, Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so they began to argue with one another, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame, uh, his fame then spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was laying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went to her, took her by her hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. When the evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all those who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. But he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. All right, down to verse 40. Then a man with a serious skin disease came to him on his knees, begged him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him. Be made clean. Immediately the disease left him and he was healed. Then he sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses prescribed for your cleansing. As a testimony to them, yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news with the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he was out in deserted places and they would come to him from everywhere. When he entered Capernaum again, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there were no more, there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the message to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above where he was. And when they had broken through, they lowered the stretcher on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus understood in his spirit that they were reasoning like this within themselves and said to them, Why are you reasoning these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, pick up your stretcher, and walk? But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately he got up, picked up the stretcher, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. 
Okay, then skip over to verse or chapter 3. Now he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a paralyzed hand. In order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. He told the man with the paralyzed hand, Stand before us. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. After looking at them with their anger and sorrow at the hardness of their hearts, he told the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. And then skip over to chapter 5. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs. No one was able to restrain him anymore, even with chains, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had snapped off the chains and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him, and always, night and day, he was crying out among the tombs and in the mountains and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him, and he cried out with a loud voice, "'What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God?' I beg you, before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he kept begging him not to send out the, uh, begging him not to send them out of the region. Now a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so we may enter them. And he gave them permission then the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the, herd, and the herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed by the legion, sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Okay, skip to verse 21. When Jesus has crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came down, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and kept begging him, My little daughter is at death's door. Come and lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors, she had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe. For she said, if I can just touch his robes, I'll be made well. Instantly her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. At once Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my robes? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and you say, Who touched me? So he was looking around to see who had done this. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher any more? But when Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid, only believe. 
He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house, and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but asleep. They started laughing at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koum, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and said that he should be given something to eat. Okay, it's a lot of verses. Does anybody see any resemblance in any of those verses we read? All right, so in all of these passages, these people that came to Jesus were in some way or some form broken, right? Okay, and broken people often go around and they're seeking an answer or a solution to their problem. So in these passages that we read, the solution here was the Son of God. It was Jesus. All right, so what happened to these people when they were healed or had demons cast out? In a way, they became whole again, and they also became something new. Okay, so I'm getting this. I I talked to Melissa a few weeks ago. She was, so I I walked into the kitchen, and she told me, she said, Parker asked me if I'm super bored, because she was in her office just breaking up crayons. She was like, no, it's for my lesson. So this kind of got me thinking, what's your lesson about if you're breaking crayons? That's really weird. And uh, so she showed me, and she broke these crayons up, and she put them in some little silicone cookie molds, threw them in the oven, and after, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, I don't know what it was, she pulled them out, and they're just little, you know, star-shaped puddles, super colorful, all these different colors. And uh, then after they cooled down, they became solid, and they're usable again. They're just multicolored crayons at that point. And she said, my lesson to these kids is that sometimes we're broken. But what God does is he takes all those pieces and he forms them into something new, something new, something beautiful again, and something that can be used. And um, so these pieces, you know, even though we still, you know, as Christians, we, we... we are put back together when we come to Christ, but sometimes we still fall apart in different ways and things happen and, you know, you get down, you make it anxious and you think your life's falling apart sometimes. But even normal people, they're just people that aren't Christians, we, we have that, that, you know, we fall apart and we fall to pieces, we become broken. And a lot of times when we feel broken, we feel that we can't be used as something. We feel like we lose our purpose. Um, and then the other thing we feel a lot is that we're not loved. And so a lot of this is coming from that and, and this, this aspect of being broken and not feeling loved. So I'm going to come out and say uh, everything that God has done was out of love for every one of us. Hey, Parker. Okay, so has anyone in here every, ever created anything? 
with your bare hands. They're Parker has. All right, so anything you create, you kind of, you know, you made that. It's something you did. No matter what it is, it could be terrible, but you made that. Okay, no matter what it looks like, you're going to love and cherish that, right? Okay, and you're, you yourself, if not somebody else, have y'all seen some of the art that comes on the walls nowadays? Splatters and, okay, people find beauty in that, okay? All right, um, does anyone in here have children? Parker, I think most of y'all have children. Okay, so you help create that child, and that child, you know, you raise that child, it's your child, you love that child, you do anything to protect that child. Okay, so you would do anything to protect it from all the bad that's going on in the world, anything bad that's going around around you. Uh, and you always want that child to know that they're loved. And you do anything to show that child that you love them. And God shows us this, and y'all know this verse. Everybody knows this verse. But in John three sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world in this way he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, I want to go to the very first of this verse. And mine says, for God loved the world in this way. But I just want to start, and I'm going to go through some, y'all don't have to go to them. I'm not going to go to them. I'll kind of give paraphrase what it's about. But uh, we're going to take that. And the first one, for God so loved the world in this way that he created you. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't have created you. And then the next one, in Genesis 3, 22 through 24, God so loved the world in this way that he sent Adam and Eve away from the Garden of Eden so that we wouldn't live eternally in a life of sin. Now, a lot of people don't know that, but that's why they were sent away to the Garden of Eden. Genesis 6 through Genesis 8, God so loved the world that he flooded the entire earth to rid of all the corruption and evil that was going on in the world. And this kind of ties in with the next one in Genesis 19, and Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Um, and in the, then again in John 3.16, that he sent his one and only son to die for us. The only thing he had, he sent to die for us. That way he could rid us of sin from the past, from the present, from the future. Okay, and then in John 14.15 and through 26... God so loved the world in this way that he sent us the Holy Spirit, okay, so that we could know his heart and that we could have a relationship with him. And God values a relationship, and he loves to talk to us. He talks to me quite a bit about some random stuff sometimes, but, okay, and he gave us that relationship, and that relationship can never be taken away from us. Okay, and God did all these things to show us that he loves us and that he would do anything for us and anything to protect us from the evil that's in the world and to maintain this relationship with him. Okay, and he did all this, shows you his love daily because he doesn't want you to be broken. Okay, and so that with him we are put together and we're a new creation. We're a beautiful masterpiece and a vessel that can be filled with everything God has to give us. Okay, and through that we can find purpose. I'm going to end with John 14, I didn't even mark that, 14, 27. 
And this is Jesus talking. It says, peace I live with, leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much for much longer because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, I am going away so that the world may know that I love the Father just as the Father commanded me, so I do. Get up, let's leave this place. Oh, I wrote it down, that's what I mark it. So be filled and overflowing with peace because it's been given to you. And this peace has been given to you as a gift. It's free. You don't have to do anything for it. Same with love. God loves you. It's been given to you. You don't have to do anything for it. There's no earning it. God loves you just for who you are. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.